everyone. Welcome to the Charge Podcast. Today I have Natty with Yay. me, our chapter trainer who's in Chicago with us this summer, which has been <laughs> so much fun. Yes. It's been flying by though, which is not okay. Time needs to stop. It's insane. I needs can't believe like this Friday will be a month of me being here and then I'm halfway. No. I don't want to leave. Don't leave. I don't trust Quit me. school and stay in Chicago. Oh, that's my thought every day. Well, I'm so excited for this conversation and just to dive into everything about starting a charge chapter. I love your journey of both being an ambassador and now being the chapter trainer. So this is going to be a fun one. I'm so excited. I like this has been a dream, like a weird goal of mine for a while. So I'm so excited (laughs) to finally be on the podcast. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Well, you know, my favorite question to start with is when you were a freshman in college, what did you imagine your life to look like right now? Just Uh graduated. (laughs) Yeah. So thinking about freshman year of college just cringes me because I had a rough, rough freshman year. And honestly, I feel like a different human being looking back, which is a good thing. But I think if I put myself back in my freshman year brain right now and imagined where I'd be a month and a half after graduating, I would have been hopefully about to start my dietetic internship. From there, I guess I would be aspiring to go into like a hospital or some type of place like that being a dietitian, which is what my major was freshman year. Obviously, that's not the case. That's not how it turned out. And I'm so happy about that because even as a freshman, when I had no idea where I wanted to go in my life... I kind of knew in my heart that that dietetics major that I was in wasn't for me. But yeah, it definitely wouldn't be sitting here because as a freshman, I didn't even know what charge was until winter break. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell us everything. So you want the whole freshman year? Yes. Okay. okay, Here we go. So during high school, I'll start with high school because that's kind of where it all stemmed from. I had a really hard time with body image and looking back on it now and knowing more now in retrospect I definitely struggled with disordered eating there was a point in high school where I would restrict myself to under 800 calories a day and yeah I religiously used my fitness pal tracked every single thing I ate I would eat like I vividly remember every single day for lunch I would bring like a pack of strawberries and like a hard-boiled egg and I wouldn't let myself eat that until directly before track practice or field hockey practice And then I would get home and have like a protein shake. And if I got anywhere close to being over 800 calories, I would like be nauseous. Like I would feel so anxious and just like a ball of guilt about eating what in my head was that much food. To put it in perspective even more, I always tell this story that kind of just shows like how warped my mindset was at the time. In my AP psych class in high school, my senior year, we were doing experiments about like your five senses and our teacher wanted us to eat a jelly bean, one single jelly bean to like, I don't know, show us something about taste. I like pretended to eat my jelly bean and like tap the kid on front of me's shoulder. And I'm like, do you want my jelly bean? I would not eat one jelly bean. I Googled like calories in a jelly bean. I was about to put it in my fitness tracker. I wouldn't do it. So obviously that wasn't a very good time in high school. i that was a struggle. So then coming to college, 
I had a whole routine in high school of like, okay, I'll eat this at this time. And it was so regimented and that helped me feel in control in those days. So then when I got to college, I didn't have a kitchen. I had the dining hall options. I had snacks in my dorm and those were my only options. So that kind of threw me for a major loop, not being in complete control of what I was eating every day. And long story short, by the time November hit, it was Thanksgiving break of freshman year. I had gained 30 pounds since August. And now I know like that was my body saying I need to put on weight. Like you need more nutrients. You need more. Obviously, like that wasn't healthy for me to be 100 pounds at whatever. I'm like 5'4", you know. So my body rapidly put on weight, but in my head, since I struggled so much with body image, that was like so traumatic for me because I associated gaining one pound with failing. So then gaining 30 pounds was like the end of the world to me in my freshman year. I would look in the mirror and I would just automatic, like I couldn't even look in the mirror. It would ruin my whole day. I could never weigh myself. I avoided going out. I avoided being social because I knew, like, I thought everyone was staring at me and thinking, oh my God, she's so fat. You know, that's how my brain worked at the time. And that eventually spiraled into my Thanksgiving break. I came home for the first time during my freshman year and I knew I was going to see people from high school and I knew they were going to notice that I had gained weight since we had all seen each other in the summer. So... To combat that, I ended up coping with alcohol. I had been doing it while I was at school. If I wanted to go to a party with my roommates or something, I would just get super drunk to avoid thinking about how I looked or feeling anxious about how I looked. And that was multiplied by a million when I was at home because I knew the people at home knew what I used to look like before college. So Thanksgiving break, my freshman year, I ended up going to a home party. I was super excited to see my home friends that I hadn't seen forever. But that anxiety was through the roof because I knew they would all be thinking in the back of their head that I had gained weight, or at least that's what I thought at the time. So I ended up getting so intoxicated that night that my mom discovered me in the living room around... 3 a.m. that morning. I was blue. I was unresponsive. I wasn't breathing. And my parents took me to the emergency room. And that was kind of the major turning point of that dark place I was in because I remember waking up in the emergency room. My dad was sitting there. My mom was pacing around. They both looked terrified. The doctor was saying something. It was all so fuzzy. And I was like, I had an IV in my arm. I was like, where the heck am I? I had no idea how I got there. And it was Thanksgiving morning. So my entire family was coming over in a couple hours from then. I remember opening my eyes in the car ride home and the sun was rising. My mom was sitting in the back seat with me. I was just laying on her and I knew like, I felt like I had disappointed my parents like never before. And I knew they were already stressed about having our whole family over for Thanksgiving later in the day. And obviously that was probably the rock bottom of my whole life up to this point. So it took something that traumatic to realize that something needed to change, whether it was in my mind or in my routine or both, whatever it was, I couldn't keep living how I was living. And ironically enough, that was probably less than a month before I heard about charge. So I always say like, I think hearing about charge was a godsend because I knew I needed something. And if charge wasn't something to get me out of a place where my body image issues were literally ruining my life. 
I don't know what it is. I think it was definitely divine intervention from my mindset. Wow. Do you remember how you developed body image challenges? I remember being little, like maybe six or seven and looking in the mirror and like holding up my shirt, looking at my stomach. And I remember one time my cousin was babysitting me and I was looking in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. I was like six or seven. And my cousin was like, Natty, like you can't say that. And I don't think I'd ever had anyone before that point be like, that's not good to talk to yourself that way. I don't know where I would hear things like that. Cause like my family would never promote like unhealthy body image standards it was never talked about in my house because why would you think to talk to a six-year-old about that at that time? Like, I feel like now it's kind of mainstream. Like, I think being a chubbier little kid and being surrounded by, like, kids who are naturally skinnier, everyone was athletic. Like, I wasn't super athletic when I was little. Just automatically put in my mind, like, I am, I look different from the rest of the kids around me. And I was always just, like, the chubby friend or whatever it may be in middle school or elementary school. So then when I got to high school and started playing sports, I played field hockey and I ran track in high school. Obviously, those are both super cardio heavy. I started losing weight and it is a real thing, like pretty privilege, thin privilege, whatever you want to call it. People are nicer to you when you're slimmer or when you're more mainstream attractive. And I would notice like I had more friends. I was friends with the cool people when I lost weight. And I think I just loved and craved belonging so much in high school that I noticed when I was slimmer, people liked me more. And looking back on it, I'm glad I've gotten to experience both sides of that. I've experienced how people treat you when you're heavier and the chubby little awkward kid. And I've experienced how people treat you when you have a fit body type or are looking more like the ideal body type that society promotes. Mm -hmm. So I think it really just all stemmed from me noticing how much nicer people were to me when I was thinner, which is crazy and like so messed up to think about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thanksgiving morning with your parents, what did that shift look like? And also I'm curious about like the conversations that you had with your parents. And then you mentioned that was your rock bottom. And then since then you continued working and obviously got to where you are now. Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So uh, conversations with my parents wise, that very day, I just got home and just like got in my bed and cried and slept and did whatever. Like, obviously, I did not feel okay that day. And when I finally woke up, I had to get up and get dressed because it was Thanksgiving. My whole family was going to come over. I pretty much couldn't stop crying that day. It was very hard to pull myself together. But when I did finally talk to my mom and my dad, they, like in my head, I was 18. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so mad that I was drinking. Like I'm underage. Oh no. They didn't even mention any of that. They were like, we're just glad you're alive. Like we love you. They were amazing about it and didn't make me feel like a horrible human being, which is what I felt like at that time. So I'm super thankful that they were so supportive and saw that That was kind of a cry for help from my standpoint. So I'm very, very thankful that they didn't yell at me or whatever, because that's what I was dreading when I woke up. I automatically went to, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Like I was drunk and I'm not 21, but they didn't even care about that. They were just happy that I was still there because like I said, like when my mom found me, it was like not a good situation. The doctor actually told me in the hospital that if I had one more drink, I I probably could have 
died that night. And the crazy thing is I had one more beer in my bag. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it's all obviously very scary and sad, but it just like kind of restored my faith a little bit because I don't think that was a coincidence. Like I could have easily walked over to my bag at any point in that night and drank it and who knows like what would have happened then. But yeah, I think the turning point initially on the surface, I started to turn around because I stopped relying on alcohol. That was one of my major problems freshman year is that I was binge drinking all the time. That's just kind of the culture in college, especially freshman year. Westchester is kind of like a big frat party school. So that's just what I got into. And that Thanksgiving Day event showed me like that is not cool. That's not good for your body. You need to stop doing that. And once I stopped relying on alcohol, obviously that kind of gave me more mental clarity to see, okay, this is where I need to go in my life and I can't go backwards and keep living how I've been living. So once I got away from the party lifestyle and realized, oh my gosh, I can still have friends and still have fun if I'm not blacked out. Like that was a major realization for me because when you first get to college, you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's drunk 24 seven. Like that must be normal. No. And I promise there are people that don't want to be super drunk either, like Mm -hmm. around you. Yeah. So number one change was getting me away from alcohol every single weekend, weekday, whatever it was. And from there, I kind of started obviously physically detoxing from all the toxins and crazy stuff I built up in my body, but also mentally being able to think more clearly and see like, okay, honestly, like I'm still alive. I need to be thankful for that and start living like I'm thankful for being here instead of just trying to get through every day and moping around about my weight or moping Mm -hmm. around about whatever it may be that I don't belong. Like I need to seize the moment and start actually trying to make something of my life is how I felt after that near-death experience. So yeah, freshman year, I'm thankful for it, which sounds crazy. But like, honestly, if that never happened... I probably would have just like kept trucking along, getting by day by day and never realizing like how much more to life there was or how much better I could be doing. Right, right. Yeah. When you look back at that time too, do you ever have similar thoughts? Because I feel like especially if you go through a period of restriction, those thoughts don't just go away forever. Like it does come back, particularly like of times with stress or things like that. Definitely. Like even coming to Chicago, again, another situation where I wasn't completely in control. Mm -hmm. I was out of my routine moving to a whole different city. And I felt – I remember my first week here – Like it was yesterday. No, it was like three weeks ago. And I remember feeling that stress and having those thoughts creep back in like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight here because I'm going to be eating out a lot. Like I'm trying all these new foods. I'm going to be going out with my roommates, like making new friends and I won't be able to make my normal food at home. Like, yes, those thoughts do come back. The difference now is that I recognize them as something that is just like my old toxic mindset talking to me. Like it's not fact. When I used to think those thoughts back in the day, they would just overtake my mind because I'm like, that is a fact that I'm going to gain weight here and that'll be the end of the world. People aren't going to like me. People won't think I'm pretty if I gain weight, whatever. And now if I have those thoughts, I just know that's me unlearning those years and years and years of 
negative self-talk mm-hmm. and it's easier for me to kind of take a deep breath and remember like I'm in Chicago living my life. That is so much more important than me worrying about if I eat deep dish two days in a row or if I, I don't know, go out for a drink two nights in a row with my friends. Like there's more to life than tracking calories. And I truly, truly know that now. And at first it was just me repeating that to myself, trying to believe it, like, you know, fake it till you make it kind of sense. But now I really do truly believe that I'm confident in myself and I'm happy with myself to the point where I can overcome those hateful thoughts in my brain because I know I love myself. So when those things start popping up, I'm like, that's BS. Like, that's not the truth. That's just my old mindset creeping back in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure. Like, and anyone who struggled with something like that would probably say the same thing. I don't know if they'll ever fully go away. I don't know if there's a person on earth who never has a negative thought about themselves. The difference is noticing it and being able to tell yourself, like, that's not real life. That's just years of society making it normal to talk badly about yourself. Right. Did you work with a therapist? Did you read books? Was there any resource in particular that stood out to you that helped you along this process? So I didn't start therapy until this year, actually, my senior year of college. Yeah. So I didn't do any counseling back then. I remember that was something my parents suggested back then and wanted me to go to our school counseling center. And I just never did it because I was just too nervous. But let me think resources. I did start reading. Actually, once I found out about Charge and Charge was promoting like I don't want to say self-help books, but like positive resources, self-help books, positive resources, like even just like body positive quotes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I really dove into all of those positive resources that are out there. And I feel like once you discover one, whether it's like a book or a podcast or something, like it just opens the floodgates and you're like, oh my gosh, other people are out here trying to be positive about themselves too. Like you kind of feel a support system and feel like you're part of a community that's all determined to make everyone more positive and more confident in themselves. So like, it sounds cliche to see that, like say it on the Charge podcast, but honestly, Charge and finding all those resources, Charge was probably the door that opened me up to the floodgates of all that positive talk, positive community, and all the resources that are out there about stuff like that. Mm. So how did you hear about Charge? Ooh, so it's kind of like a two a two-phase story. (laughs) So my freshman year, my roommate Bailey, shout out Bailey, she had a friend who I want to say went to a big school. It was either like University of Alabama, somewhere big like that. I forget which one specifically. And her friend was in charge at that university. And we kind of just like talked about it in a passing conversation. Like, oh, I wish Westchester had that. Like, that sounds fun. And that was probably like September of freshman year. So very, a couple months before everything hit the fan. And I actually decided that I wanted to bring charge to Westchester. And then over winter break, like I said, a couple weeks after that big Thanksgiving break incident, I saw a post on Instagram from charge saying, oh, we're looking for founding ambassadors. Applications are open, that whole thing. And I saw it and like, there was something in my head that was like, that's speaking to me. Like I need to do it. And I feel like there's some moments in life where you just like know something is for you. And there's like that little voice in your head saying you're not seeing that for no reason. 
And from there, I probably just clicked on the Instagram post, read up on the website, and I was like, yep, this is it. This is what's going to get me out of my hole. So yeah, two-faced story, but it was kind of like a double whammy of the universe saying like, okay, you've heard of this once. Now you're hearing about it again. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it for no reason. Like take action. Yeah, that's how I heard about Charge. Were you ever nervous about applying to be a Charge ambassador or thinking, oh my gosh, I am going to lead a group of 100, 200 people? Oh, for sure. I remember when I was filling out my application online, I'm naturally an overthinking person. And it was way worse back in those days when I didn't really have control of like my anxiety or my thoughts, whatever. So there were definitely moments when I was filling out that application that I'm like, I can't do this. Like I can barely speak to a room of five people. How am I supposed to be the face of a hundred, 200 person chapter? But then again, like that little voice in my head is just like, nope, like you can do it. Just keep pushing. You might as well take a chance. Like what's the worst that can happen if you apply, you start it. If you don't like it, say no, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's natural for anyone. If someone wasn't nervous about applying, even just a tiny bit, I would say you're like superwoman. I think everyone would be nervous about being the face of an organization at their university, especially when it's brand new as a founding mm-hmm. ambassador. Exactly. Totally. What do you remember about your interview or application process? Yeah. So I was so nervous for my interviews. I remember at that time it was a two-phase interview. Like you had your first interview with Hannah, who was a chapter trainer at the time. And then if you got past that round, you would have your interview with Sarah. So I had my interview with Hannah and I think I wasn't, honestly, I barely have a memory of that one because (laughs) I think I just like canceled it out of my brain because I was so nervous. I remember like borrowing my roommate's like nice sweater and scarf to do it. And then once I got to my interview with Sarah, I remember the morning of my interview, I was like walking on the treadmill or like walking, doing something. And I was listening to the podcast about... It was either the story of charge or it was literally about becoming an ambassador, yeah. like one of the first couple episodes. And I was listening to Sarah or you talk and you were like giving interview tips, like what oh should you gosh. say, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I need a notebook. Like I need to write this down. But I was like trying to do my homework a lot for the interview, listening to the podcast, whatever. And then my interview with Sarah, I remember just feeling way less nervous once I got talking because obviously anyone who's going to be interviewing ambassadors is, I mean, anyone in charge in general, super welcoming, super easy to talk to. And I remember Sarah just like smiling so much. Mm. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, does she like everything I'm saying? Or is she just really happy? I'm not sure. But yeah. And I remember like sending selfies to my family and I'm like, ambassador interview, here we go. But yeah, nerves were through the roof on that one. But That being said, I would recommend to anyone thinking about interviewing for ambassador or even interviewing for anything in general, doing your homework about the company, about the club, whatever it is, makes you feel so much better. I vividly remember listening to the podcast that day and feeling Mm -hmm. way more prepared going into it. Mm -hmm. But oh my God, I was so nervous. Like I'm saying, I can't even recollect Hannah's interview because I think I just like blacked out for that. I'm not sure. Totally. I feel like, yeah, most people are nervous during interviews. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It It can be scary. Especially as a freshman in college. Like, what have you been interviewed for? Exactly. Nothing. I mean, at least for me, I was like a waitress and that's it. Like, they're not going to sit you down for a nice 
actual interview for a high school job or a mm-hmm. freshman year of college job. So nerve wracking for sure. Yeah. Once you found out that you were accepted to be the ambassador, what was next? What did that look like? Ooh, so I was so excited for one. And at that time, once you were accepted after your interviews, you then went on to do a social media challenge to see how many girls would actually be interested at your university. So the challenge at the time was you had to get girls to post on their Instagrams a little graphic that said charge is coming to X. Like for me, it said charge is coming to Westchester University. And they had to post that on their Instagram with the hashtag bring charge to WCUPA. So I was like, oh my God, like I'm on it. Let me see what I can do. So I went to our little like grocery store. I'm saying it in quotation marks. It was like a weird little tiny convenience store in the dining hall. And the only thing I could find was gluten-free chocolate chip cookie mix and M&Ms. And I was like, "Mm, M&Ms will spruce it up, the gluten-free chocolate chip cookies. So I went to our dorm kitchen, made a bunch of gluten-free chocolate chip cookies with M&Ms in it and put them all in Ziploc bags and then printed out a flyer. I did not know this. This is incredible. It's like half embarrassing, but at the same time, I'm like, it's incredible. So I made all the cookies, stapled the flyer to the bags of cookies, and then went around all the dorms and taped the bags of cookies with flyers. Did you do this by yourself and did you have friends help you? No, it was just me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I did that and got a lot of Instagram posts. I'm not going to lie. Like it actually worked pretty well. That was like my first plan of action. And then the next day or like within the same time frame, I went like knocking and my friends helped me with that. So shout out to my freshman year roommates. They were like so supportive and so much help with that. And I would just knock and like hand them the flyer and explain what I was doing, like give my little charge feel. And everyone was excited. Mm. And I remember like all the dorm doors had names of people who live in the dorm. So if it was a girl's room, like knock, fly under the door. And I really just like did it that way. And we like, I remember we won the contest. I like, thought yeah, so. Westchester yeah. got the most posts. Because I remember being like, I don't know that university. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, wow. Yeah, I'm like out here baking cookies. But <laughs> yeah, it worked. So Yeah. Wow. Do you remember, did anyone know about Charge at your university prior? I don't think anyone did. Wow. And at that time, I'm pretty sure it was only like 50 or 60 chapters. Right. And I don't think, like since then, Temple, which is right near Westchester, has gotten a chapter. UPenn, like Penn State had a chapter at that time. So if people knew about Charge, it was because they knew someone at Penn State. Mm -hmm. But that was like the closest chapter and that's like four hours from Westchester. True, yeah. So no, there was not really any background knowledge going on, which is why I knew. I was like, pedal to the metal. I got to do the most. But it paid off. Honestly, it paid off. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Wow. What did founding ambassador training look like? Mm, So... It looked very similar to how it does now, which I'll talk about later. But so it was online modules, exactly like it is now. And once a week, we would have a training meeting with Hannah, the chapter trainer at the time. I remember our training meetings were like Wednesdays at 930 at night or something. And I still get my reminders on my computer. I just left it on my calendar because I was like, that's kind of funny every time to get it says like chapter training. And I'm like, oop, memories back Mm. in the day. So completing online modules that had anything and everything to do with 
everything from becoming a student organization at your university to founding your exec team to starting your social media accounts. Literally everything is covered in the modules. And then once a week, we would meet with Hannah as an ambassador class, which is all the girls who were starting a chapter at the same time as me. And we would go over what we did in that week's online module. So I found that these days it's almost easier to explain the training process to people because it's very similar to how college classes were held this past year. Like our asynchronous part would be the online modules and then we'd have a synchronous Zoom meeting once a week to go over the modules exactly like COVID college was. So I think that's an easier way to think about it is it's an online class Mm -hmm. where you meet with your teacher, so to speak, your chapter trainer once a week to clarify anything you need. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Good point. What was it like finding an exec team? So that's another, oh my gosh, like thinking about all this freshman year stuff is like so funny to me. But founding an exec team, I think in my opinion, was the funnest and most like legit feeling part of training. Because like I said, you're doing all this stuff online and talking to Hannah or the chapter trainer virtually. And then for your exec team, you're like, oh, wait, I need to start talking to people in person at my university that are going to help me actually build this thing. So to found your exec team, the process looks like releasing those applications, promoting the fact that exec applications are open, and then from there, reviewing the applications you do get, picking the ones you want to interview, and kind of exactly like ambassador interviews work. If you interview the girl and you love them, they move on and you'll have another meeting with them. Or if you interview the girl and you're like, "Mm, might be not the right time for them to be on exec, then they're not the one. So I did that thinking about my interviews now. I think I was more nervous to interview my exec team applicants than I was to be interviewed by Sarah. (laughs) Because it's the same thing. Like your freshman year of high school, who have you interviewed at 18 years old? Probably no one. I don't know anyone at 18 who's like out there interviewing people. So when it came time to do my exec team interviews... I think my interviews were probably like 10 minutes maximum with each girl because I was just like speed talking, like trying to get a general sense of them. And then I'm like, okay, I'm nervous. Yep. Talk to you later. But it did give me so much experience. And I found that the process of finding an exec team helped me with my confidence for the rest of training because I saw, okay, I'm capable of reviewing applications, interviewing girls and picking a strong exec team. I can get through the rest of training. And my exec team, like, we were best friends for our time on exec. It's like a bond that obviously you're not going to have with anyone else at school because especially as a founding exec team, you guys are building something from the ground up that's going to change the dynamic of your whole university. And once your chapter actually gets up and running, your events are going, you're doing the whole thing, you can look around together and be like, we did that. And it just makes for awesome friendships and Even if you don't end up being BFFs with your exec, it's still such a great connection to have and to know that you literally have a team on campus that's there to support you, whether it be with charge or with homework, with personal life, stress, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think finding an exec was my favorite part of ambassador training. That's amazing. Were any of them friends previous or were all of them quote unquote strangers to you? So we were all strangers to begin with. And... If I remember correctly, I think all except maybe one of my founding exec were all freshmen at the time because when I was finding my exec team, it was spring of my freshman year. 
So we all only had one semester of college under our belts. All kind of had that same sense of like floundering around, not really sure where we fit in at Westchester. And again, that made for an even deeper connection among us because we're like, okay, well, now we belong here. Like we're all working towards a common goal. We all have common values and interests. This is fun. You know, like it all gave us a bigger sense of belonging at Westchester. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know pretty much any of them except two of my freshman year roommates were on my exec team as well. The rest Mm. of them, we had no clue. Wow. What was it like in terms of recruiting? Like, did you get a lot of people right away? Because you were a really big chapter. I don't remember if that was right away or if that was a little bit later. Oh my gosh. So recruiting members. Yeah. So our first semester, we ended up having over 200 girls. That was your first semester? Yeah. And we were like, oh, shoot, (laughs) Like, what do we do? Because we were not anticipating. I think based on our Westchester is 17,000 undergrad. And based on that, we were projected to have maybe like 120 Mm -hmm. members. So when it blew up, like when we got past like 150 and it just like kept going, we were like, um, (laughs) wait (laughs) wait a second. (laughs) But... I honestly think it all stemmed from my exec team being so excited about it. And I tell that to all the founding ambassadors now, like the vibe and the energy of your exec team is going to trickle down to your entire chapter. Mm -hmm. So if an exec team is running around confused and stressed and doesn't really seem excited about charge being at your university, people are going to look at that and be like, ooh, like, I don't know if I want to join that, like a little hesitant. But if your exec team is excited and confident, at least like coming off as confident. You can have no idea what you're doing, but as long as you have a good time with it and fake it till you make it again, members are going to be excited too. I remember we had our sample weekly workout the first or second week of recruitment of our first semester. And it was yoga outside in the quad at Westchester, which is just like the circle of grass in the middle. And the whole thing was full and people just kept showing up and showing wow. up like there was a line to come to yoga in the quad and again my whole exec team was like what like we're trying to like take attendance on a notepad like highlighting people whatever and that was the moment I think we all knew like oh my god like this is about to be wow. big yeah and I really just like attribute it all to my exec being so excited and so positive and so welcoming to the people that came to our recruitment events or we talked about our table I think that is what really allowed it to blow up and people to get super excited about it. That is incredible. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Was there a journey story from a charge member that really inspired you? So over the years, I was ambassador for two years. And then my past year, my senior year, I was a member. And over that whole time, it would always blow my mind every time I would have a member either like text me or reach out to me at an event or come and talk to me or whatever and say like thank you so much for bringing this here like this has changed my life yada 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 and you just like look back and you're like so wrapped up in all the work and the logistics of making it all happen that sometimes you kind of forget oh everyone else here is experiencing this too like they're all experiencing it from their own perspective and a lot of times that means hopefully they're having an amazing time there and when people give you that feedback out loud you kind of snap back into reality and you're like oh yeah I'm doing this for the members and they're having a great time and it's working one specific story I think my junior year right before COVID 
took away in-person stuff. I made a really strong connection with one of my small group members and she was kind of going through a rough time having some mental health struggles and stuff like that. And I would be the one who she would text. Like if she was having a rough day, I would be the one she would talk to at small group or we would like stay a little bit after small group to talk about how she was doing and stuff like that. And those kind of things just really make you think like, who would this person be going to if it were not for charge? And if she hadn't met me or even in other small groups, I know people made connections like that elsewhere. Who would they be going to if they hadn't joined charge? That's what I always kind of would think of. And those were the moments that made me realize like, okay, yes, it does get a little stressful with being in charge of it, doing the whole thing, but it's so worth it to know that it is making an impact, even if you don't know it, you know, Mm -hmm. like those people are the ones who tell you how they're feeling about it. You don't even know how many members are thinking it or feeling it and just haven't said anything out loud. I think that was so rewarding. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. What about your favorite events? Ooh, favorite event. Oh my gosh. I miss in-person weekly workouts so much, but I think my favorite event was probably that very first yoga in the quad. That's something we did every recruitment afterwards because that first one just like showed us what it could be. And that very first yoga in the quad, it was just perfect weather. The sun was setting when we were doing it. The whole quad is full of people. And me and my exec were just looking around at each other like, like cheering <laughs> that we actually got people to show up because I remember oh. we got there obviously before everyone else. And we're just like kind of chilling. And we're like, what if no one comes? Like what if zero people show up to this? And then all of a sudden like herds of people with yoga mats and stuff showing up. So that's an event that will always stick in my brain and kind of just be like a holy crap moment in my life. Mm. That's when I knew it was like all worth it. And that's what I was meant to be doing like I had felt before. Yeah. And just looking around and being like, you built this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. I think that's something like that is a feeling that I don't know where you would get that anywhere else. No. Like there's no... There's very few opportunities in life to build something from the ground up like that. At such a young age. Exactly. And to get that much leadership experience and get that confidence boost, honestly, that comes from knowing like you freaking did that. Like you feel like a badass for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term when you look around at all these girls having a great time and see all these girls making friends with each other. And you're like, I facilitated that. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And I don't know any other... I can't think of any other place as a freshman in college where you could get an experience like that. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these skills too, you reflect on later. Like it almost comes after where you're like, oh, I have these skills and this is where they came from. And they're helping me so much in these future opportunities, future careers, all Mm -hmm. these things that you're learning at such a young age. Yeah. And I always notice how much charge has taught me if I'm in, even in like group projects or something like that, and there's people who are super nervous about public speaking, like that's super common, or people who don't know how to even like use like Google Drive, like little stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you gain so much just real world experience that helps you in any situation, especially the public speaking for me. Like I don't get nervous speaking to big groups of people or having meetings, leading meetings, whatever it is. Whereas if you've never had that experience in college of being the leader of Mm -hmm. a large group, why, like, obviously you're going to be nervous, Yeah, you know? So I always tend to notice it when I am working with other people who haven't been in charge. I'm like, oh wait, I have a leg up because I've been doing this 
for charge and not even thinking about it for years. Right. You know? Right. It's awesome. Yeah. What about the most challenging or the hardest part of being an ambassador or starting a chapter? Mm-hmm. So definitely a bit of overwhelmingness, especially in the very beginning. When you're applying to start the chapter and when you get into that nine weeks, it is definitely overwhelming thinking, oh my gosh, I'm doing this for nine weeks and every week is a different thing that I'll be learning. How the heck am I going to balance that all? But the good news is we know that. Like me as a chapter trainer, I know that it's so overwhelming, especially week one when say you're creating your social media accounts, you're getting your interest list organized. It's a lot. So I would say that is the most difficult part is pushing past that initial overwhelmed feeling Because on the other side, it really lightens up when you have that exec team and when you find your footing as an ambassador, that overwhelmed feeling diminishes. And it diminishes because we know that as a founding ambassador, you're going to feel overwhelmed. Like if you didn't feel overwhelmed, you're probably missing something that you're (laughs) supposed to be doing. And because we know that, we have so much support and so many resources to make it as organized and as least overwhelming as possible. But yeah, most difficult part is just pushing past that initial fear of, can I do this or can I not do this? And once you get over that hump, you realize, yes, you can do it. And I have your back as chapter trainer and all of team charge and every charge member across the country has your back as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that support because I feel Mm -hmm. like people applying don't even realize the support that you're going to give them, the support of the CLCs and RCLs. So I'd love for you to just talk about those elements as well. Yeah. So literally my job as a chapter trainer is to support you as a founding ambassador. We don't just throw you into an online class and you never talk face-to-face with another human being for a reason. You have me as your cheerleader and your go-to person for questions and your organizer and kind of like your personal assistant throughout training Mm -hmm. to help you stay on track, give you reminders of things you're supposed to be doing and answer any questions you have. And then when it comes to transitioning into being with your CLC and your RCL as a trained ambassador, the support is magnified by a thousand because now you have multiple people on your side to help you out. So as a founding ambassador, you can kind of think of it as you have a team of people on team charge who are solely there to help you build a great foundation for your chapter. So yes, there's me, like we said, and then your second go-to person during training is your CLC. So CLC stands for Chapter Leadership Consultant, and she is your go-to girl for your entire term as ambassador. So not only is she there for you in training as well as me, she is there for you the entire time you are on the exec team for anything and everything you need. My CLC as a founding ambassador was Kelsey. Love Kelsey. She's listening to this. I miss you. But she became like my right-hand man as a founding ambassador If I was ever nervous about anything, I would text Kelsey and she would calm me down, say, no, it's going to be okay. Like there's nothing we can't fix and help me get through whatever challenge we were facing. And then on the same side, if something was going great, she would be there to clap it up, cheer us on and reassure us that like, this is amazing what we're doing and all the hard work we're putting in is worth it. So CLCs are kind of like your, like I said, your right hand man 
as any ambassador, but especially as a founding ambassador. And then even further than that, your RCL, your regional chapter lead is your kind of like co CLC in a way, they're there to support you as well as like a second opinion or a second line of defense against any problems you're going to have. And together, me as a chapter trainer, your CLC and your RCL are literally your team that are there to lift you up, there to give you advice and there to make sure that you are building an incredible foundation for your chapter. So much support. Mm, So much support. What's your favorite piece of advice to give to new ambassadors? So my very favorite piece of advice for new ambassadors is to push past that overwhelming phase. Like I said, I know for a fact you're going to feel at least a little bit overwhelmed, at least in the very beginning. And I always tell ambassadors when they're feeling that, just push through. You are going to be okay. And I am here to support you. And there's a reason I'm here to support you. And it's to remind you that you can get past that overwhelming feeling. And once you get to the other side of that, the work and that stress that you felt is so worth it when you look around and you see the amazing impact and the difference that you're making in people's lives at your university. There's nothing like that feeling. Mm, I love that. What is your favorite part of training? What's your favorite week? Ooh, my favorite week, probably the same as my favorite part of being trained myself, is releasing those exec applications. Mm. So actually with our current ambassador class, they just released their applications this past week. And it's so exciting for me to see the founding ambassadors get excited about applications coming in, girls being excited to apply Because up until that point, you are really a one-woman show as the founding ambassador. You're the person who's most excited about charge at your university, obviously. And you can kind of be like, well, dang, I'm the only one who's excited. It's kind of hard to keep up that motivation when it's just you. So once that week hits when you release exec applications and you see, oh, other people are excited for this too. People are applying to help me build this. That is such a game changer and such like a relief moment when you're like, it's not just me. This is going to be an actual group and community of people on my campus. It's not just me running the show and that's it. It's a Mm -hmm, community. mm -hmm, Totally. What about requirements to start a charge chapter? I thought this was really interesting. Someone asked, are there any requirements to apply to start a charge chapter? What would you say to that? So when it comes to who can apply and who can't apply, We obviously want anyone and everyone to apply. Only people I would say maybe wait a little bit would be if you're an incoming freshman, just graduated high school and about to go into college. I would recommend at least having one semester under your belt before you apply just to find your footing at your university a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you could even use that one semester to start drumming up interest before you even apply. As for the actual application requirements that we need to see hit in the application, one, you need an interest list of at least 50 people at your university who are interested in joining charge. Two, you need a list of 10 fitness studios around you that you could potentially work with in your chapter. And three, we need a little video showcasing yourself and showcasing your university, why you think you should be a founding ambassador 
Those are the three main requirements, I would say, actually within the application. Mm -hmm. What tips do you have for finding people who are interested in charge? Yeah. So this is probably, in my opinion, the most challenging part of the application is hitting that 50 mark of interested girls. And that's a question I get a lot from people who are in the process of applying is how do you recommend I even start explaining this to people? So my number one tip is always social media, especially nowadays it's summer. Obviously, you're not going to be on campus with a bunch of people around you to tell in person. Social media will be your best friend for drumming up interest around campus. So number one, Instagram. Obviously, everyone loves Instagram. It's very popular among college students. I would recommend going on your university's Instagram page or your rec center's Instagram page or other organizations' Instagram pages, going through their followers and DMing anyone who actually goes to your university. So like for lack of better explanation, stalk it out, find girls in their bio. It says whatever university you go to, DM them a little charge spiel and say, shoot me your email for more info to join our interest list. I've always found that works great because DMs obviously more personal and more direct. And those are usually, they stand out if it's about charge. It's not just like a scammy thing. Like you might get a weird DM about. So girls will see that and be like, oh, this sounds cool. Like, let me just plop my email in there and get more info. Another thing that's always successful is posting in university Facebook pages That is probably another one of my top tips. Go to like your class of 2023, 2024 Facebook pages, post a blurb about charge in there. And you can literally just say, comment your email below for more info or message me your email for more info. And that's a super easy way to gain interest as well. What you want to think about when you're building that interest list is people like to do the least amount of work as possible. So if that means just saying comment your email below, that is very low effort for them to just write their email in the comments. Same thing for Instagram. If you DM them, just say respond with your email address to join our interest list. Very low effort. They don't have to make a conversation with you. They don't have to go out of their way to like a different website or something to join the interest list. It's right there for them to just send their email and they're on the list. No matter what, low effort methods for the people you're trying to get interested are always the most successful. People don't like to click a bunch of things, go a bunch of places. (laughs) So, yeah. What are the three things you look for in founding ambassadors? Ooh, I like this question. Number one, passion. It always, always, always stands out on an application where we can hear your passion through your answers. There's so much opportunity in those application questions for you to showcase your passion, whether it be the question, how do you live the charge lifestyle, whether it be the question, what are you involved in on campus? Every single question on that application is a chance for you to showcase why you're excited about potentially being a founding ambassador. And I'll like say it from the start, when we just skim the applications as they're coming in, Most of the time, you can tell right off the bat who is excited and who is not. If there's a person who wrote maybe one sentence per question, maybe just wrote like bulleted lists, in my head, I'm kind of like, eh, like they don't really seem too excited about it. Whereas a person who you can tell they put time and effort into grammar, punctuation, like even little things like that, and you can tell they're taking the application seriously, I always get 
more excited about those applications because I can tell, oh, they are actually like, they mean business. They want to start a chapter and they're excited about it. Number two thing I look for is that availability. So it is a lot of work. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a lot of work being a founding ambassador. Like I said, it's all so worth it. And we're here to support you through all of it. But you have to be able to commit the time that it's going to take to build it from the ground up. So if you're thinking about applying, definitely take a second to look like, okay, how much free time do I feel like I really have right now? Do I have space in my brain to take on another big commitment? Or should I wait a little bit until maybe I feel more stable in my routine, have a little bit more time off from work, classes, whatever it may be? And that is the time to apply. Like I said, little overwhelming at first. So if you're already feeling a little overwhelmed in your schedule, maybe you should wait until you have a little bit more free time because that availability piece is huge. And we always look for that in interviews and your application, seeing how much you're involved in already. And if we kind of feel like you might not have the availability, we'll ask you about it in your interview and say, do you think you'll have time to take this on? Because it is a big commitment. Lastly, number three... I would say, honestly, just welcoming vibes. I always try to just read the vibe of the person we're interviewing because even though that's not like a concrete answer that they're saying or something, the feeling that I'm getting when I'm talking to someone during an interview is the feeling that members would get talking to them as an ambassador. So you don't have to be the most outgoing, extroverted person of all time to be an ambassador. As long as you are welcoming and friendly and open-minded to anyone joining your chapter, willing to make connections within your chapter, you'll be a successful ambassador. I can say I don't like to be the center of attention. I'm not the most like talkative, out there, outgoing person, but you just have to be welcoming and friendly. Like that's what it really comes down to, to have a awesome, successful chapter where everyone feels good, everyone feels happy and everyone has fun at events. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for someone who has not chosen to be a charge ambassador, but Mm -hmm. really wants a charge chapter? Would you recommend them reapplying Mm -hmm. or what would you say to them? Yeah, good question. So if you apply and you're not chosen, usually most commonly it's for one of two reasons. One, we feel like you're not involved enough on your campus yet and think you could make more connections that will help you out as an ambassador in the future if you choose to reapply. Or two, we think you have too many commitments already and won't really have time for charge. So... If we feel either of those ways, or even if it's for a different reason that you weren't chosen, we will give you that feedback when we let you know that you weren't chosen as an ambassador. So it's not like we'll just give you like a blind, nope, sorry, not right now. We will give you the feedback as to why you weren't chosen. And a lot of times when people really, really want a chapter and they say, okay, I'm going to reapply for the next round, they will take that feedback, work with whatever we said, and come back stronger their next application. Mm-hmm. So that's always something I do when I tell someone they haven't been chosen. One, give them the reason why. And two, encourage them to apply in the future if they want to, because that feedback will really give them the tools that they need to have an awesome interview, have an awesome application, and really be what we are looking for as an ambassador. This current ambassador class, we actually have two 
girls in training right now that applied last round wow. and weren't chosen. Wow. And then they chose to reapply this time and now they're thriving. Yeah. Like, a no is not a never. A no is just like a not right now type right, situation. Right. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that has happened a lot. Mm-hmm. What can we say about our July special that's happening? Oh my gosh, our July special. So super exciting thing going on right now. If you refer someone who you think would make an awesome founding ambassador and they go on to become a founding ambassador, you will get a free tank from the chart shop. Very exciting. So if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I know so-and-so at X university, they don't have charge yet. She should totally apply. Let me know. I will reach out to them. And if they go on to become a founding ambassador, you got some charge merch. So it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. And what are applications do? Our next round of applications are due August 15th. So a little less than two months from now, plenty of time to still apply And chapters that apply for that August 15th deadline will launch in spring 2022. Awesome. And then why should someone encourage their friend to start a charge chapter? Oh my gosh. Well, could I I fit this in a small sentence? Let's see. So I think anyone should encourage their friends to start charge chapters if they don't have charge at their university, because I truly believe having charge at your university changes the entire culture of the school. Even if someone doesn't join charge, but they're at a university that has it, they're witnessing the positive energy and the amazing community that's coming from charge. And in some way, they're going to be changed by that. So it's not just impacting the members that go ahead and join. It's impacting the whole campus by seeing, oh my gosh, it's really possible for women to come together and empower each other to be their best selves That is mind-boggling. Even if you don't join it, you're going to be impacted by it. So I think every single university needs charge. My opinion. Me too. Yeah. I'm biased, (laughs) but it's fine. How did you see your university change? So like I said, my freshman year, I immediately noticed Westchester was like very party-oriented, which is fun, obviously, when you're in college, but it's not the healthiest lifestyle. And it's super easy to get caught up in that if your school is one of those types of schools. So I saw my university change because as soon as Charge started up, like I said, it blew up. We had a bunch of people join. And I think that was because people were looking for something else to put their energy into rather than just partying or doing whatever it may be. There wasn't anything on campus at the time that was solely for the purpose of doing things that were going to make you healthier in your mind and in your body. I personally, before charge, felt like I didn't fit in because I didn't want to join a sorority and I didn't play a sport. So where did that leave me? Like Westchester is very Greek life heavy. A lot of people join sororities and fraternities and I didn't want to do that. So I didn't really know where my place was. So I think charge was a middle ground where anyone could join. If you were in a sorority, you could still join charge. If you didn't want to join a sorority, you could still join charge. It was for anyone and everyone. And I think based on the fact that we had 200 people join, it was clear that there were a lot of people at Westchester looking for that feeling of belonging and somewhere where they could just come as they were and didn't have to try to fit any expectations of the organization. Mm, I love that. Okay, let's do some fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. One word to describe you. (sighs) Driven. Favorite sweat sesh. Boot camp. Workout you want to try. Aerial yoga. 
book every charge girl should read? You are a badass. Love that book. What's one thing on your Chicago summer bucket list? Oh my gosh. Kayaking in the river, but I've heard the river's gross. <laughs> Number two, I want to go to Navy Pier and actually watch the fireworks from there. Female you'd like to meet? Oh my gosh. Mm, Iskra from Aerie. Three favorite Instagram accounts. Number one, I would say the charge Instagram. Number two, let me think. I would say Morgan Harper Nichols. Love her quotes. And number three, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but there's a lady, Celeste Barber, who kind of like imitates magazine ads and pictures of girls with like the ideal body type and shows them with like an average Wait, body. yes, I know who she I is. I love her and she cracks me up. So if you She's don't follow funny. her, go check it out. I love it. Yes. Top three interests other than fitness. Cooking. Love cooking. Number two, hmm, three interests. I love like traveling. I think this trip is making me realize like I love seeing places that are out of my normal comfort zone. Number three, hmm, top three interests. Number three, <laughs> crime podcasts <laughs> and crime shows. That's not like super deep. Yeah, but I love no, I love that. What's your favorite crime podcast? Oh, uh, Crime Ducky. All the way. I'm addicted. Today's Monday. That means there's a new episode and I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> what are you curious about right now? Curious about all the things to discover in Chicago. What has been your greatest lesson from college? Oh, gosh. Don't panic if you don't know where you belong right away. What is one thing that you really want someone listening to hear today? Ugh, so many things. I feel like I want people that are listening to know that there is so, so, so much more to life than how much you weigh and the calories that you're putting in your body. That's what I needed to hear. And I wish I'd heard it sooner. What does being hashtag in charge mean to you? Ooh, being hashtag in charge means that you know you are capable of amazing things. I love it. Thank you, Natty. Ah, thank you. I'm so excited. Shout yourself out. Where can people learn more about you? So my Instagram is at fitbynatincharge. And my normal Instagram is just Natty Donahue. I love it. Yes. Well, we will link all those up and then we'll also link the Start a Charge chapter page yeah. and send this podcast to your friends who might be interested in starting a charge chapter. Well, thank you so much, Natty. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye. Hey, Charge Girls, good morning. Yes, I'm talking to you. It's time to get charged up because this day is new. The sky says hi and it's bluer than blue. The sun is shining and all the birds are chirping too. Today is the best day to be alive. The miracles appear once you open up your eyes. Surprise, time to keep living your dreams. So get up and join the rest of your charge team.